You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Last, last week, actually, Sam started a brand new series. Sam's on leave, by the way. Gets back next week. He started a brand new series, and it's titled, entitled The Other Guy. And it's a really clever way of talking about the Holy Spirit. Uh, the subtitle, Discovering the Guy Behind the Guy of Christianity. And the study this week in your um, connection groups is going to be The Other Guy Changes You. We're looking to know the changes that are possible when somebody is gripped by the power of the Holy Spirit. When somebody has the Holy Spirit as a, a living, breathing part of who they are, uh, just with them constantly as a source of power and strength. I want to bring a reading from the scriptures. If you've got uh, your Bibles or your iPad or your um, smartphone there, you might like to follow on. Romans chapter 8, verses 11 to 17. And this is the passage that you're looking at in the connection groups uh, this week. If the Spirit of God, who raised Jesus from death lives in you, then he who raised Christ from death will also give life to your mortal bodies by the presence of his spirit in you. Now, already we've gone far enough to be able to unpack over about a six-week series. Uh, There's just so much in, in that opening verse. So then, my friends, we have an obligation, but it is not to live as our human nature wants us to. For if you live according to your human nature, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death your sinful actions, you will live. Those who, are, those who are led by God's Spirit are God's children. For the Spirit that God has given you does not make you slaves and cause you to be afraid. Instead, the Spirit makes you God's children. And by the Spirit's power, we cry out to God, Father, my Father. God's Spirit joins himself to our spirits to declare that we are God's children. And since we are his children... We will possess the blessings he keeps for his people. And we will also possess with Christ what God has kept for him. For if we share Christ's suffering, we will also share his glory. That's our reading for tonight. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit, the other guy, and the changes that he wants to make in you and me. Let's join together in prayer, shall we? Well, Father God, you have spoken to us in so many ways already in this service. You've come through loudly and clearly in these beautiful praise songs. You've come to us, Lord, through the, the testimony of someone like Cute and uh, the, uh, the vision, the missionary vision of someone like Sarah. In these and in so many other ways, even the people we greeted during the mingle, Lord, you, you're touching us and touching lives in so many different ways. Please, may we in these remaining moments hold on to the things you've revealed already and be ready to receive even more information, inspiration, more material that will help us to connect with you, whether we know you well or whether we are far from you. We want to leave this place tonight feeling as though we are your children, ready to serve, ready to live for you, children who are possessing the Holy Spirit in our lives. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey guys, in every generation, superheroes have always been part of the scene, you know. Uh, we, uh, we love to think about superheroes. Uh, these are men and women with extraordinary powers. They're able to change themselves in some cases. They're certainly able to change situations in, in which they, they move. Now, as a kid, my introduction to superheroes came by way of this guy. Okay, That's the first Superman. His name was George Reeves. And you didn't have to wait for his next feature-length movie. 
to come out. He was on television every week in a half-hour show. In fact, uh, if they were doing reruns, he'd be on three, four nights a week. Uh, now, how many people remember George Reeves? There wouldn't be too many people. Graham Reed, fantastic. Uh, you know, uh, Greg, interesting. I thought you were younger. Uh, wow, that's George Reeves, okay? And uh, he's a cool-looking guy, got the chiseled chin right there. Uh, and we thought he was fantastic. Every, like, you could get home from school and watch George Reeves. Unfortunately, though, it wasn't in colour. Uh, it was in black and white. Uh, but, of course, nothing like the really cool, really cool superheroes of today, like this guy, Iron Man. Absolutely cool as they come. And, uh, of course, his secret weapon. What's the guy's name? The guy, Anthony Stark. I had to write that down. I've seen one of the movies. Um, and he fights, cor- <laughs> he fights corruption and injustice and uh, wherever and whenever he can. You know, this is, he's a cool guy. And, of course, his secret weapon is the power core right there, which apparently has the power of three nuclear reactors right there in your hand. Uh, now, that's not that hard to believe uh, when you think about it. <laughs> Actually, it's very hard to believe. But, uh, look, you know what? Here's the thing, guys. The Christian faith, okay, The good news of Jesus Christ is about having power. It's about having incredible power. Not external power, like a superhero. Something far better. Internal power. Power that becomes part of us to cope with and to handle the rigours of life. Power to change us. Power to change others. And this power does not turn us into supermen or or, or super or, or, or Iron Man, but it's that internal power. We read, we read about it earlier. Look at this verse again. If the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from death lives in you, then he who raised Christ from death will also give life to your mortal bodies by the presence of his Spirit in you. Now, guys, the Spirit of God was revealed, as Sam reminded us last week, in a, a spectacular way on the day of Pentecost. But the Spirit of God had gripped people for many centuries before that, under certain specific situations. For example, Gideon, one of the judges in his uh, ongoing warfare against the, the Midianites. The Bible says he was gripped by the Spirit of God. Same with David, when he fought off wild animals to protect his flock, gripped by the Spirit of God. Samson, the same thing. If you watch the Bible uh, two weeks ago, uh, Samson, you know, pushing the columns, bringing the whole thing down, his power was attributed to the fact that the Spirit of God gripped him. But on the day of Pentecost, there was something special happened. The Spirit of God, which had been the exclusive prerogative and possession of some specific people for specific reasons, all of a sudden became available to everybody. And that's the birthday of the church, Pentecost. And that's a day that was to change the world forever. You know, in the early church, the... The early Christians being gripped by the Spirit of God, they so turned the world upside down that in Acts chapter 8, there's a guy called Simon, and he's described as a sorcerer, a bit of a magic, kind of witch doctor kind of guy. And he actually tried to pay for the gift of the Holy Spirit. He said to, said to Peter and John, look, I'll, I'll give you guys money for this. You know, I mean, this is fantastic what you're doing. And that's where we get that famous verse when Peter says, to hell with you and your money. You cannot buy the Holy Spirit. It only comes when people embrace the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. You know, in my years of ministry, and they're quite a number now, this doctrine of the Holy Spirit has been, in my opinion, the most controversial of all the doctrines I've ever looked at as a pastor, 
as I've looked at church life in various denominations, as I've traced the different waves of, of theology and the different movements within the people of God that have come and gone, most of them have revolved around people's understanding of the Holy Spirit. It's very controversial. Some of you come from backgrounds where I know you've shared with me there's been a lot of confusion and a lot of pain, a lot of hurt over this very doctrine. Why would that be? Why? This is not meant to cause pain. This is meant to liberate. This is meant to empower. Why has that happened? Well, guys, I want to remind us tonight, and for some of you it'll be the first time, I want to revisit, revisit some of the foundational truths of what it means to have the Holy Spirit within our lives, the other guy, what it means for him to change us. What it means for him to empower us. You see, there are some things we need to be acutely aware of when we talk about the other guy. The first is this. The other guy is not the prize at the end of some postgraduate, higher learning, spiritual study program. Okay, That's not the other guy. Now... Why I mention that is because that's the impression that's been given by some churches over the years. That, you know, you sort of you become a Christian. And then if you get into the right movement, into the right church, then you'll really be able to get a hold of the Holy Spirit. And you'll be able to show that you've got the Holy Spirit because you will have graduated into that upper echelon of Christians. Demonstrating and, and, and showing forth the, the, the Holy Spirit in some rather spectacular ways. I was at a... Um, a uh, charismatic convention many years ago in Adelaide. It was the forerunner of the Hillsong Convention, actually. And I was there because the guest speaker that night was a man by the name of Robert Schuller, known to some of you, uh, now in retirement. But he was quite a, a prominent televangelist for many years here in Australia. And they'd invited him to be the speaker. And I was interested because I didn't, I, I didn't realise he'd had those sort of you know, charismatic tendencies. In those days, there was a much clearer line of delineation than there is today. You're either charismatic or non-charismatic. Today, it's, thank God, it's all kind of blended into one in the sense that everybody acknowledges, well, most growing churches acknowledge the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. We certainly do here. So Robert Schiller was speaking, and I went along, and he gave a great address. It was a powerful address, one of the best I'd ever heard him give, in which he invited people to receive Jesus Christ. Point blank, said, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you come forward tonight. It was powerful. And we'd sung one verse of the song. When the host of the convention came up and said, I just want to, just want to interrupt for a moment, please, before we keep singing. Uh, Dr. Schiller's given a great address tonight. But I just want to clarify something. If you're coming forward to receive Jesus Christ, we have ushers here tonight with uh, blue ribbons. And we'd like, to make, we'd like you to make your way to a, an usher with a blue ribbon. And they'll look after you and they'll pray with you and they'll talk to you. If you're coming forward tonight to receive the Holy Spirit, would you please seek out an usher with a red ribbon? Uh, because they'll pray with you and they'll, they'll look after you. And I'm, I'm, I'm what? Are you, I'm checking on Acts again. You know, I'm looking for ribbons. I'm, I'm looking for colours. I'm finding only purple. Is that the colour when you merge red and blue together? I mean, hello? Well, that began a, a huge controversy. I wrote a letter to our National Journal and people lit up and it, it was crazy for about six or eight months. But that's how it was in, in, in those days. And you can still find some evidence in some churches that you know, receiving the Holy Spirit is kind of like a, an upward step. You don't receive... Look, here's, here's, here's the verse that, that to me just takes care of, of everything. It's Acts 2.38. Peter said on the day of Pentecost, people said, what are we, what are we going to do? You've told us we've killed the Son of God. What must we do? Peter said, repent and be baptised and you will receive the Holy Spirit. 
He didn't say, look out for somebody with a red ribbon or a blue ribbon or whatever. He said, you will receive the Holy Spirit, Acts 2, 38. So this is not meant to be the Holy Spirit. The other guy is not meant to be some way of distinguishing real Christians from ordinary Christians. That's the first thing that we've got to get into our minds tonight, not to be used in that way. Something else about the other guy. He provides us not so much with power to perform, but rather with power to persevere. Guys, look, I'm going to be real frank with you tonight. Look, I, I can appreciate some aspects of the ministry of people like, say, Benny Hinn. You know, I've watched him uh, many times over the years. But, you know, I, I don't see a lot of what Benny Hinn does in the ministry of Jesus. You know, Benny Hinn, if you don't know him, he's the guy who waves his jacket around. If you get hit by the jacket, you fall over. And, you know, this is all to do with receiving the Holy Spirit and experiencing the Holy Spirit. I, it, I find it hard to link that up with the ministry of Jesus. And, and it sort of looks to me like a kind of a performance, at least in some, in some aspects of it. Um, I was in a church in Queensland many years ago when one of the opening comments of the minister was, you've come to church on a great night tonight. We're going to turn the Holy Spirit loose here tonight. I thought, wow, that's, that's great. That was the exact words. We're going to turn the Holy Spirit loose tonight. Like he's in some kind of cage or something. I expect you're going to bring him in. Here's the Holy Spirit. We're going to turn him loose. You know, whoa. Uh, it, it, was, it was crazy, you know. Now, I, I, know, I know what he meant. Look, you know, they were going to, there were some signs. There was some you know, kind of weird stuff happened that night. Uh, and some good stuff. Hey, some good stuff. I mean, they claimed there were miracles that night. I got no reason to dispute that whatsoever. But look, you know, when you turn the Holy Spirit loose in a church... You're not going to get a show. When you turn the Holy Spirit loose in a church, you're not going to get a show. You're going to get miracles, yes. And we've seen miracles in in this church and every other church I've ministered in. Praise God. Some of the miracles come in a very different form. They come in the form of people hanging in despite setbacks. Wow, there's a miracle. People praising God despite facing major health battles. Discovering gifts of service. Wow, that's turning the Holy Spirit loose. Uh, people going into an inner city area like Glebe and rolling up their sleeves on a Saturday morning and ministering to some of the underprivileged people of our city, that's turning the Holy Spirit loose. Getting a team of people to go to Madagascar and sit in, in the degradation and the, and the deprivation of some of the people of that city and minister and say, we're here, what can we learn from you? What can we do to help you? That's turning the Holy Spirit loose. I mean, people giving... Hundreds of thousands of dollars because they believed in the establishment of a ministry in a conference centre like this. That's turning the Holy Spirit loose. Like, if you want a show, go to Cirque du Soleil. Go to David Copperfield if you want a show. But if you want to turn the Holy Spirit loose, then adjust your vision of what's likely to happen. He gives us power not so much to perform, but to persevere. You see... You want to turn the Holy Spirit loose, get into a church where people want to honour God with their obedience, their service, their sacrifice and their perseverance. It's stating the obvious. Paul's life was no picnic. You know, Paul talks about his hardships and his tough times a lot. And in Philippians chapter 4, you know it so well, many of you, he, uh, he talks about the secret that he's learned. Philippians chapter 4 and verses, uh, the second part of, uh, of 11 out of 16. Have a look at this. He says this. Um, yeah, where is that? <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Gee, on the edge of your seat stuff is. Um, 
he says this, I've learned to be satisfied with what I have. That's the problem with marking up your Bible. You see, I've got marks on every page and sort of like it's hard to pick out. Here we go. I've learned to be satisfied with what I have. I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have more than enough. I've learnt this secret so that anywhere at any time I am content. Whether I am full or hungry, whether I have too much or too little, I have the strength to face all conditions by the power, Holy Spirit power, that Christ gives me. He talks about shipwrecks, beatings, floggings, imprisonment. When he wrote this, he wasn't sipping a cocktail on a rooftop in Santorini. He wasn't staying in a villa on the Amalfi Coast. Paul wrote this from a Roman prison, you know, like he was doing it tough and was still able to make that great, say that, give that great testimony. Guys, here's something else. That's a perfect segue into something else. Here it is. The most authentic expressions of the other guy's power and influence are relational, not rhapsodical. And he's saying, hello, Graham, here we go. You've invented a word uh, to get the rhyme. No, I haven't. Those of you who are musically inclined, and I've checked with a few musos this week. Those of you who are musically inclined know this word rhapsodic. Rhapsodic is a reference in the first instance to a piece of classical music that is not regular in form. It's a little bit crazy, a little bit erratic all over the place. Uh, in general terms, rhapsodic means, you know, like up and down, you know, emotional person, but very unpredictable, very, very. Now, look, here's the thing, and it's linked to what I've said already. The most authentic expressions of the other guy's power and presence are relational, not rhapsodical. Doesn't mean to say that there aren't incredible expressions of his power and influence. But you've got to remember the fact that. You know, I'm ad- here I'm addressing the notion that those who have the Holy Spirit will have certain gifts. Uh, and those gifts are relational. It, it's not a matter of being uh, part of a certain type of church. It's not a matter of having certain types of gifts. Galatians 5, Galatians 5, 22 to 26 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. And guys, this is where the rubber meets the road. You want evidence of the Holy Spirit in a person's life? It's relational, not rhapsodical. Here's the, here's the key. Look at this. The spirit produces what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, humility, self-control. There is no law against such things as these. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have put to death their human nature with all its passions and desires. The spirit has given us life He must also control our lives. We must not be proud or irritate one another or be jealous of one another. The most authentic expressions of the other guy's power are relational, not rhapsodical. They're not erratic and crazy. They're consistent. They affect people's lives. They're born out in how you relate to people. And sometimes I've seen a bit of a disconnect. What did Jesus say? By this shall all people know you are my disciples. If you have love, one for another. That's the touchstone. That's the key ingredient among the people of God. Here's the last thing. The other guy's power to change lies not in us trying to be good, but in us ensuring we're surrendered. And, you know, if we could do it, like if we could tidy up our own lives... If we could take care of our own sin and our own inclination to sin, there would have been no need for Jesus to die 
I mean, that's the gospel. It's the fact that we can't do it. We, no matter how hard we try and, you know, yeah, I'm going to be good. I'm going to try harder this week. It's just, that's just not, it's just not how it works. If, you, if you're trying that way, you're beating yourself up mercilessly. As Michael so powerfully described earlier, that, that's just not how life is. Even for people who are in touch with God, there are, we're, we're frail, we're fragile. We're open, we're given to all kinds of inconsistencies. Some Christians try so hard, they actually remove the potential influence of the Holy Spirit. And they think it's all up to them. In Jesus' day, there was such a group known as the Bleeding Pharisees. I think I might have made reference to these in the morning service. The Bleeding Pharisees were, and this is documented, were Pharisees who went around with blood on their faces because they would walk around with their eyes closed so as not to look on a woman for fear of committing the sin of lust. And they keep bumping into pillars and posts and they get, you know, like, so I'm trying hard. Oh, here comes another one. Oh, no, bang. Oh, oh, you know, like, I mean, you know, and you hear something, la, la, la. Like, it's just, it doesn't work that way. I mean, it's not a matter of trying. It's a matter of saying, hey, God, I can't do this. I really need you to come and fill me with your Holy Spirit, with the other guy. I've got something in my in the back of my Bible, which I carry all the time, so it's very appropriate I referred to, to it tonight. And it's a quote from a guy called Mike Iaconelli. And Mike Iaconelli was tragically 10 years ago killed in a car crash, but he was, he was a real guru when it came to youth ministry back in the 90s, Mike Iaconelli. And some of you might have heard of him. Look at his quote on the spiritual life. The, the, the power of the other guy in our lives. Look what he says. This is powerful. He says, spirituality is not a formula. It is not a test. It is a relationship. Spirituality is not about competency. It is about intimacy. Spirituality is not about perfection. It's about connection. The way of the spiritual life begins where we are now, in the mess of our lives. Accepting the reality of our broken, flawed lives is the beginning of spirituality not because the spiritual not not because the spiritual life will remove our flaws but because we let go we let go of seeking perfection and instead we seek god the one who is present in the tangledness of our lives kind of stands that whole thing of trying to be good on its head wouldn't you agree let's check out romans 8:15 again that last verse of our reading those who are led by god's spirit are god's children for the spirit God has given does not make us slaves and cause us to be afraid. Guys, the other guy will change you. He'll make you different and we need to be different. We need to be different. One of the most hurtful things that can be said of a Christian is, yeah, I know Christians and they're no different to me. And even worse, I know Christians and they're even, they're worse, they're crazier than me. You know, I mean, there's got to be a consistency in our lives. And when you nail your colours to the mast and you declare in whatever setting, work, uni, among friends, wherever you are, that you're a Christian, I mean, like, the reality is people are watching. Nobody's going to get to perfection, but people are watching. The other guy wants to change you. He wants to change me. It comes gradually in most cases. Here's a little postscript about George Reeves, Superman, the guy I grew up with. He had it all. Hollywood career popular, everything that goes with Hollywood. Um, the persona of a powerful person, Superman, wow. Well, on June the 15th, 1959, at age 45, George Reeves shot and killed himself in his home in Beverly Hills. And it was just a strange, ironical twist 
that this man who had it all, in terms of what the world would say, oh, wow, fantastic, all that power, all that social connection, all that, wasn't enough to stop him from, from taking his own life. And guys, not that everybody who doesn't have Jesus sort of takes that extreme step, but it's a, it's a powerful reminder that you want real power in your life. You want something that's going to get you through the tough times. You want something that's going to help you and enable you to live as God intends you to live. You need the other guy. You need Jesus Christ. And part of receiving Jesus Christ is to receive into our very selves the gift of the Holy Spirit. Do you know Jesus tonight? Are you living in that power tonight? You can. That's why we're in business. We're in business to connect people to Jesus Christ. You can do that tonight. As we have our ministry time, just indicate to one of the prayers, you know what, I want, to, I want to do what that guy said, I want to receive Jesus Christ. We'll pray with you a specific prayer. It'll mean you'll be on the road, starting point, of discovering all there is to discover about life in Jesus Christ. Will you do that tonight, if you haven't done it? It might mean that you've uh, got to come back because you've been drifting. You've been wanting, trying to do it on your own, trying to be good. It's not about perfection, it's about connection. Get back in touch with Jesus tonight. Whatever your need is, we invite you to come and join us for the prayer time. Let us bow in prayer, shall we?